0: Welcome to Heart of the Matter, I'm Sean McCraney. You know, I am a lucky man. I'm a blessed man, not lucky. To fortunate to be able to be on this show. I love it. I love doing it. And I love the interaction I have with uh, my Christian brothers and my LDS brothers and sisters and my LDS brothers and sisters. I love the LDS. Whether you believe that or not, if we were sitting somewhere and talking, you'd know that I love you. And I share these messages with you because I do. Five did you knows quickly. Did you know that you can get the notes from every show that we have on our website? Every single one, you go there, you can click on it and download it and just print them up. Did you know that you can get an audio recordings for every one of our shows? Did you know that you can watch past Heart of the Matters on the website as well for free? Also, did you know that you can watch it on audio or video podcasts by go to iTunes The website has an active message board, a way to order the book, and a pretty solid recommended resources list. So I challenge you to go to www.bornagainmormon.com. If you're interested in those things, keep praying for us. Your prayers are keys. We are expanding like you can't believe in avenues and areas, and the Lord is running with this, and we are just trying to hang on and do what we can for this work. Speaking of prayer, let's have one. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We praise your name. We're grateful for this opportunity. We pray that your spirit will be here with us, be with me, be with the listeners and the viewers, with the operators, the camera, everybody who's involved, Lord. We pray for this and everything else that's going on pertaining to this ministry tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember last week we spoke about the fall of Adam, and remember all those non-biblical ideas that we discussed. We left Adam in the Garden of Eden having just sinned. Now let's take a moment and finish this story. As a result of their actions, Adam and Eve made aprons of fig leaves and tried to hide themselves amongst the trees in the Garden of Eden. From God. That's what the Bible says. And the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? And in response to his actions, Adam never says, I sinned. I made a mistake. It was my fault. Uh, He never openly stands up and admits himself a sinner. What does Adam do? He consults his own methods. He crafts his own apron out of fig leaves to cover himself. And then he goes and he hides in the trees and then when he's confronted directly he passes the buck to Eve. Okay? Fig leaves are very important here as they represent man's unwillingness to admit his lost and fallen condition. Think about it. Fig leaves were a response to his lost and sinful condition. He didn't confess, he covered himself. Not confessed, but covered. And they were used to hide and camouflage Adam and Eve in their exposed sinful state. Fig leaves are representative of human excuses for sin, they are representative of man's philosophies in place of God's will. Fig leaves are representatives of religion that tries to take the place of God's will and superimpose their own theologies upon people. Fig leaves are exercise and rituals and sometimes church memberships. There's two forms of hiding that go on after Adam and Eve sinned. One was the fig leaves, their own handmade apparel, and the other was amongst the trees. Hiding, secrecy, darkness is always related to the father of lies. Remember that. Hiding and secrecy and darkness. Satan says, tells them to hide. Satan tells us to pretend. And while the fig leaves are representative of man's organizational attempts to conceal himself from God, their hiding amongst the trees are representative of them seeking refuge behind the things of this world. Now along this topic of hiding, I want to make a, a statement here. Very few days go by where I don't receive an email from somebody telling me, usually they're LDS and they're always LDS, that I am a sinful charlatan that is hiding behind his sins, uh, hiding from his sins behind a television show to attack the church that I should have just come out and, and exposed myself for the sins that I've committed. I've even had people tell me that they know what my sins are and they're going to expose me for the charlatan that I am. First, I want to tell you that I do not fear in the least being exposed for anything that I have ever done in my life. All those things are known both to my family and to God. I have no fear of anything that I have done. Shame, yes, but no fear. Um, I was a sinful, proud man, but remember, I was LDS at the time, trying to be a good man. I have been born again and forgiven, altered, changed by Jesus at the side of the road, um, and I just avoid pretending altogether in every way. It was only when I was LDS did I feel the need to be secretive and to hide things. Only when I was LDS did I experience a pressure to appear as something that I wasn't. Uh, I was a cult of personality to some, an honorable priesthood holder to others, a portrait of authority. In Mormonism, it is vital to appear as if you have it all together all the time. As if you are uh, worthy. Hide your sin nature behind a suit and tie of fig leaves. Hide your disbelief of all the incomprehensible stories and doctrines. Hide behind the trees of monetary success. Listen, when you come to know the Lord, you come into the light. There is no need to fear what you have done. You come out into the light and He recognizes He knows all about you. And you are liberated by the blood, fearing no one or nothing thereafter. I want to read briefly an email I received. It's from a man named Roger L. It says, Is it easy for you to sleep now that you don't have to do what you have been taught and have experienced to be true? You sat in council, you made judgments on other people you taught, and I'm sure you had many memorable experiences on your mission. Now you sit on TV with a large cup of coffee for everyone to see, which I find very interesting, and call everything you ever did in the LDS faith a lie. I've talked to people that said they knew you. Isn't it true that you were X because of mistakes you made, he puts in parentheses, affair, and not just because you asked your name to be removed? Why not tell the truth about that? I found it quite offensive that you actually called President Hinckley to remove himself from office. Do you honestly think he wants to be prophet? I am sorry for standing so standoffish and self-righteous, but at the end of the day, I also have to look in the mirror and be honest with myself. Uh, He goes on, he says, thanks for your time, and he says he doesn't see an honest mirror of uh, demeanor in me. And he signs his name, a believer in Christ, a believer in Joseph Smith, a believer in sound doctrine, I'm Mormon. And then he says, notice which I put first. I responded to him in this way. I'm just giving you an insight on what goes on. I've never said anything but that I asked to be excommunicated. I deserved it and that it was my sin nature that brought me to the Lord, not my ever thinking that there was a lack of it. I never asked uh, Hinckley to resign from office. I asked that he tell people to sit down when they stand in his presence to explain that he was just a sinful man like everyone else. So far, your accusations for me are O for two in accuracy. I drink water in that cup or Diet Coke and have explained this twice on the show. I've tasted coffee once in my life and I hated it. O for three, Brother Law. Brother L., And I sleep really, really good knowing the truth about God for once in my life. You're 0 for 4. And I signed it in Jesus only, and I asked Him to notice the singularity of my devotion. Um, It's time to uh, get past all that, but if you want to continue to try to bring it up, go ahead. If it makes you feel better, it makes you feel like... Now you can justify the truths I bring about, out about Mormonism. You can check the facts. If you feel like you have to attack me as a person in order to justify the fact that it makes you uncomfortable that I reveal the truths, that's fine. Uh, keep them coming, but I just want you to know it's not going to stop me from testifying the biblical truths that we have. All right, so Adam and Eve fell. He fell into a hand, uh, into a world that was turned over to Satan. Now let's move forward 1,000 years forward, actually more, 2.5 thousand years forward and to the birth of the Savior, even Jesus Christ. This is a fascinating subject because a religion's view of the birth and conception of Jesus Christ is sort of a microcosm of what their whole religion stands for. Tonight I'm going to address the views of the virgin birth relative to um, uh, humanism, Catholicism, Mormonism, and Christianity, and we'll do a quick comparative so you can see the differences in what those are. And I want you to start with humanism. Uh, There's a man named Joseph Campbell who's written all kinds of books about the human, about the traits that go into different cultures and their stories and fables. And one of those, he claims, is the virgin birth. I don't doubt that many cultures have a myth or a fable about a virgin birth of someone coming to the earth and and being a great leader or a savior or something. And Joseph Campbell points them all out in different areas. And the humanists say, this is just another typical thing that, that Christians have adopted. But I think that it's important to know that, that Satan is going to throw up counterfeits all the time And a virgin birth, knowing that the Savior would come that way. He's going to throw up other cultural uh, fables and icons for people to buy into and think that, that it, it, it kind of diminishes what the virgin birth was of Jesus Christ. So as far as a humanistic perspective, that, that's what I think. Now the Catholics, let's take a view at that. Catholics teach that Mary was conceived immaculately. The Immaculate Conception was when Mary herself was conceived through her parents, not when Jesus Christ was conceived. It's a great misunderstanding, but that's what the Catholic view is. And it's important in their doctrine that Mary was a holy vessel when, uh, wherein she could carry the Christ child. Therefore, she could not have been born under sin uh, of Adam's fall. To Catholic marriage, uh, Mary was a virgin before she conceived Jesus, she was a virgin during the gestation of Jesus, and she remained a virgin forever after the birth of Jesus. And this makes sense relative to their uh, uh, doctrinal views of Mary because she is the vestige of holy femininity. They pray to her for a favor before God. And for her to remain this holy figure, she had to remain in their doctrinal views a virgin her entire life. So she was immaculate conceived to them and she remained this bastion of virtue and then prayers are warranted to her in the Catholic view. Now Protestant doctrine teaches that Jesus was conceived immaculately, that Mary was a chosen vessel but still under the condemnation of the fall of Adam, still born in sin, but that the Holy Spirit overcame her and she conceived. Now listen to this passage in Matthew chapter 1, where it says, When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. This is going to be important when you listen to the Mormon's perspective, okay? And then it says later on, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, okay? That's biblical. That's the biblical stance. Remember that passage. In Protestant theology, Mary was a virgin prior to and after the gestation and birth of the Lord. However, Protestants generally agree that then she went on to have a family of her own, which provided Jesus with stepbrothers and stepsisters, not having the same father. In this view, the Lord's conception makes sense in light of the biblical view of the hypostatic union of Christ. And that's a big word for saying Jesus, in the Christian view, was a hundred percent man from Mary and a hundred percent God. From the Father, or from the Holy Ghost, which was from the Father. And so we have what's called the hypostatic union of, of God. And remember John 1, 4, And the Word, who was God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. So God made flesh. God made man and dwelt among us. Excuse me. Jesus was both. Philippians 2, 5-8 talks about the hypostatic union of Christ. And let me read that quickly. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So we just talk about him being God and being equal with God makes himself of no reputation, the man side. And took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay, so that is Jesus' state when it comes to Protestant theology. He was all man, he was all God, and everything that he experienced as a man, other men experienced as far as uh, uh, emotions and thoughts and things and temptations. But he overcame all and was the perfect, cleansed um, uh, Lord, here upon earth, our Savior. The reason Protestants believe that it was important for Jesus to be born of a virgin was that he had to be born from a different, in a different way than every other man. We are born into sin, and we are born in the, from sin, from Adam. Jesus came through in a miraculous way that has never happened before and will never happen since, So that he would not be under the condemnation of Adam's fall and he wouldn't have sin as the purified lamb to take upon ourselves upon himself our sins. Okay, in LDS theology, Mary was a virgin up until the time she had relations with the father. Okay, when you take LDS theology into account, this is consistent because God the father has a body of flesh and bone. God operates by eternal laws and principles, and therefore He would create a Son in the flesh the way all children are created in the flesh. And God has wives, not a wife. What that means, and I'll explain this later, God made Mary one of His wives so that He didn't unlawfully have relations with her to create Jesus. All right? Our elder brother Jesus in Mormon theology could be conceived just like everybody else because Mormons don't believe in the fall of Adam. They believe it was a fall upward. Therefore, there's no sin on Jesus' head being conceived the way another child is normally conceived through sexual relations between God the Father and Mary. Now listen to the wisdom of the LDS leaders regarding this issue. Orson Pratt in The Seer, page 159. If he were begotten by the Holy Ghost, which the Bible says he was, he would have called him his father. Okay, That's what what, uh, he says there. In Journal of Discourses, Brigham Young said, When the Virgin Mary conceived the child Jesus, the Father had begotten him in his own likeness. He was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Complete contradiction of the Bible. You say you believe the Bible? No. To quote the angel in Matthew... For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. To quote Brigham Young again, he was not begotten by the Holy Ghost. Which do you believe? Are you going to believe Brigham Young or are you going to believe the Bible? All right? This was uh, almost always the question in the Mormon debate. Brigham Young also included the idea that Mary was one of God the Father's wives. From the Deseret News, October 10, 1866, quote Brigham Young, the man Joseph, the husband of Mary, did not, that we know of, have more than one wife. But Mary, the, the wife of Joseph, had another husband. That's a quote from Brigham Young. Apostle Orson Pratt taught in the seer that he would it would have been unlawful for God the Father to have overshadowed Mary, another word for have relations with her, begetting Jesus unlawfully. Therefore, they had an association in the capacity of a husband and wife. Joseph Fielding Smith in Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 1, page 18. Christ was begotten of God. He was not born without the aid of man, and that man was God. Bruce R. McConkie, and the only way Bruce R. McConkie can, clarified the matter even more in Mormon Doctrine, uh, page 546-547. Christ was begotten by an immortal father in the same way mortal men are begotten by mortal fathers. He continues later in the book on page 742, There is nothing figurative about his paternity. He was begotten, conceived, and born in the normal and natural course of events. Christ is the Son of Man, meaning that his Father, the Eternal God, is a holy man. Now, on a television show, Gordon B. Hinckley said, oh, I don't know that we believe that. I'm not sure we know that that's true. Later, he said to a general conference or to a conference of LDS, don't worry, we know that that's true. And we know that they believe that's true because McConkie said it and it was fortified by Ezra Taft Benson later on in uh, the teachings of Ezra Taft Benson. So there it is. Where the Bible says Jesus was conceived of a virgin and was begotten of the Holy Ghost, Mormonism maintains that God the Father, a glorified man with a physical penis, sorry, made young virtuous Mary one of his wives, had intimate sexual relations uh, with her, and sired, the word is used, sired, Jesus as a result. You say you worship the same Jesus as the Christians. You say you see him in the same way, but when you examine LDS theology, it gets scarier and scarier, doesn't it? You know in your heart when you listen to this stuff that these are men talking out of their imaginations, their imaginations based in an area that that has gone amuck, run amuck. All right, and they even apply it to God the Father insiring Jesus with one of his wives. I'm sorry, uh, folks. We are talking about a different Jesus. Um, Let's open up the phone lines. We have a guy from Meridian, Idaho, a first-time caller uh, on line two. Drew, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Oh, okay. Can you hear me?
0: I can.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I had a question. I basically was born Mormon, uh, got sucked into that whole thing. Anyhow... Clear in the beginning, I had felt like it was wrong uh-huh. because it, it was more of a pressured thing. I mean, the whole seminary deal—you know, the thing in your basement and reading all the scriptures, doing everything basically on a forced basis. Yeah. Well, when I made that switch, um, I just never felt it was right. So it was basically being judged by uh, by the family, the whole nine. Anyhow, I became a born again Christian.
0: Oh, praise God.
2: And, I mean, I'm still right fresh. I haven't even really read the Bible much, but I have a great woman. And my main question here is, and this is what freaked me out in the whole thing, was if I didn't get married in a temple, my family wouldn't be with me in heaven. And so I kind of, that's my main thing. I found the girl in my dreams, and she's a born-again Christian, and I and I want my family in heaven, but i got to tell you, I was freaked out when I said, when... If I wasn't sealed in the temple and this and that, that, that wouldn't happen.
3: Well,
0: let me tell you this, Drew. In the Christian uh, world, which you're just getting into, and as you read the Bible, and, and I just want to kind of admonish you, you're, as you read the Word, that's going to be your guide with the Holy Ghost. You're going to have men and, and Christians sometimes disappoint you, because you know, and you're going to have churches disappoint you, too because they're all just trying their best. But as you stay in the Word and continue to pray, the Holy Ghost and the Word will, will radically change your life. But regarding that topic of marriage, I had the same thing. I was married for time and all eternity in an LDS temple. I had three uh, daughters that, uh, you know, they held that above my wife's head and said, you guys are not going to be together and it's going to dissolve this and that. But we came to understand in our relationship that God the Father is capable, or God, God himself is capable, of making our wildest dreams as a family better than anything we could imagine here. If it's God's will for us to be together as a family and husband and wife, it will happen. If it's his will and it's best for us, it will happen. And if it's not his will, we wouldn't want it to happen anyway. So our, my thinking is, Drew, you know, you put your trust and faith in the Lord, and you trust Him to take care of your afterlife with having some man trying to lay it out for you and give you all the answers, and I'll bet you're going to be very, very happy with what the Lord does for you after this life relative to your family.
2: Very cool. Well, I appreciate you taking time on my call.
0: All right, Drew. Thanks a lot. God bless you, man. Keep watching. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to John, first-time caller in Nampa, Idaho. John, you're on Heart of the Matter.
3: Hey, Sean, this is John.
0: Hey, how you doing?
3: Doing great. Right. Hey, uh, my question tonight was on the restoration of the priesthood. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I was uh, baptized into the LDS church and, you know, I went through the temple was ward mission leader, you know, elders quorum, the whole bit. Uh-huh. And it almost made me feel guilty and had several fights with my ex-wife about priesthood, you know, why can't you give your, your children a blessing? Because the church almost made me feel unworthy right. about giving that. So I just want to know what your feelings are about, you know, uh, Joseph Smith of restoring the keys to the priesthood.
0: You know, the history of Joseph Smith restoring those keys is really uh, unique. Uh, where they try to pin it down and say he did it here, there's really no... Uh, Evidence of when the Melchizedek priesthood was restored. We're going to do an entire show on the priesthood as far as what it was and what it's not. But I'll tell you right now, biblically, the Aaronic priesthood was important for the operation of the temple in the, in the days before Jesus came. But when Jesus came and took upon ourselves the sin as the great high priest and died uh, as, the, as the final high priest... And now he makes intercession with the Father instead of a high priest going in and sacrificing an animal and spilling blood on an altar. Jesus spilled his own blood and the, and the doors are opened up through the blood of Jesus for us to go before the Father and not some intermediary high priest like they had in the Old Testament. Joseph Smith essentially restored a, a, um, a dead orthodoxy. He, he took a dead orthodoxy of priesthood, and he reestablished it, and he tied it into uh, men and in the temples and everything, and it just wasn't necessary according to the book of Hebrews.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what my feelings were about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's uh, the way I feel, 100%.
0: Yeah, you're right on, man. Thanks well, for watching the show, John.
3: Well, thank you for, uh, you know, answering my question and taking the time.
0: All right, guy. God bless.
3: Uh, bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: We're going to David, first-time caller in Boise, Idaho. Man, we got the boys we got the Idaho callers tonight David you're on heart of the matter hi how you doing I'm doing well how are you I'm doing pretty good
4: listen I was just calling first of all I'd like to say what a blessing you are um, my wife was raised LDS I was not oh and uh, this past summer she uh, gave her life to the to Christ and uh, has been going to Calvary Chapel here in Boise England.
0: all right
4: and uh she just it's it's really hard for her. Her whole family is LDS. They all live here in Boise, and
0: mm-hmm. he's
4: really trying to reach out to them. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, I was calling. I was hoping that um, maybe you could give us some advice on how how do you, as the youngest child, potentially go to your family and say, listen, what, what we were raised to believe, just it's it's not right. It isn't real. It isn't true. And, and you just really need to come where I am because it's so much better here. That's what she says all the time.
0: Yeah. And how, how long has she been a Christian? Uh, about four months. Four months. So she's really, uh, really fired up to share, isn't she? Yeah, <laughs> she is. <laughs> you know, uh, I know that when I first came to know the Lord, I made a lot of mistakes as a young Christian. And man, I, I threw down fire on a lot of Mormons and they think I throw down now. You should have seen it then. Uh, and so I really offended some people, and um, and I think back as I've matured in the Lord that it's really going to be her love and her showing how much how important Jesus is to her and why. It really will be Him that opens the door of their hearts. All the arguments and stuff that I do on the show that are great information when a Latter-day Saint's ready to hear it is good, but how you guys... Praise the Lord, walk with the Lord, forgive in the Lord, love in the Lord is going to do more for the Mormons than anything else, including in her family. You got a long road ahead of you, though. I had a
4: feeling that would be the case.
0: Yeah, they 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 uh, they do not jump quickly, but the Lord does work on them. And I, I from the emails I get and the letters, people. Have these seeds planted, like what you and your wife are planting in their hearts, and in time they start to see the scales start to fall from their eyes, and they come to know the truth.
4: Praise God! That's good to hear. It's it's reassurance that it's not just beating your head on a stone wall, because sometimes it feels that way.
0: All right. Well, you keep going, brother. Your Lord's with you. Well, you have a great night. All right, you too. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye bye. I have someone who got cut off a few weeks ago. It's a girl named Cassidy, who is my daughter.
5: <laughs> Hi, Daddy.
0: Hello, Cassidy. Ca- <laughs> ca- Cassidy called, and uh, she was on her cell phone and got cut off, and I was asking her questions. Do you have a specific question, young lady? And it better not be about a boy.
5: <laughs> no, I just wanted to tell you I'm so proud of you. Oh. i just have to get on here.
0: You're so popular. Oh, well. Did you keep calling?
5: Yeah, it,
4: it took me a really long time, and I'm all nervous right now. It's
0: funny. Well, you only have a couple hundred thousand people listening to you. <laughs> Dad, stop.
4: I'm nervous.
0: Hey, uh, Cassidy, will you share with the audience, you've, you knew me. Cassidy is uh, 17 years old, and she knew me as an active LDS, and she also has known me as a man who's come to know the Lord. Do you have it in your uh, repertoire of... Um, words to share with the audience, what you see, and then what that's meant to you in your life?
4: Um, You're such a different person now.
0: Hmm. How am I different, honey? You're making me cry on big TV. How am I different?
4: You just live your life to serve God and to help other people. And you're not selfish and you're not about yourself at all Mm. and you've changed
6: so much Mm. and you have
0: made me change. Well, I want you to know that I am so proud of you for turning your life over to the Lord and trusting Him and it's not easy for any young person out in this world and to be able to kind of let go of an organization that is very popular and fun and to just kind of trust (sighs) Him I am very, very proud of you. I love you so much.
5: I love you, Dad.
0: I love you, too. Thank you so much. This is going to go down in history in my book.
5: <laughs> I'll see you
4: tomorrow.
0: OK, bye bye. Bye. All right, I'll see if I can recover from that. I'm a big, tough guy. All right, let's go to Adam on line four from Sandy, Utah. Adam, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, what's going on? Same old, how are you doing?
1: Oh, Good, I'm doing really great. Good. Um, First off, I just want to uh, just thank you and praise be to God. You're doing you're doing awesome things. I just I love it. It's so cool. Thanks, Adam. Um, I was raised LDS and I've I've belonged to the Lord now for oh three years, three and a half years maybe. Awesome. And I had a real time trying to figure out the Trinity. Oh. And um, i I think I've got it figured out pretty good and one example that i just want people to hear is that jesus is the son of god and jesus was conceived by the holy spirit now why isn't why isn't jesus the holy spirit's son now that's not really a question that's just something to ponder you know good. that's really good if it, 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 the Holy Spirit is God, Jesus is God, the Father is God. They're all God. That's right. And and it it, it, it just sh- it just it just shows you know that the Holy Spirit is God and that Jesus is, is the Son of God and it just it makes the Trinity show up more as one being. You know, as the, yes, one being.
0: Adam. That is a great insight. I have never thought of that. And it makes sense now why Brigham Young would say the Holy Ghost uh, didn't do the act. It was the Father, because then it destroys and it lets them have the three gods instead of the Trinity. Really uh, insightful uh, view there. Great view. I'm going to use that from now on. All right, awesome. Very important. Thanks so much, Adam. Keep going, man. All right, I will. God bless you thanks bye. See ya. bye okay we are going to Terry online 2 from Ogden Utah Terry you're on heart of the matter
2: hello Sean
0: hello Terry how are you
2: I'm doing great how about yourself
0: I'm doing well we're having trouble hearing you are you on a cell phone Terry we didn't lose you did we Terry Terry I'm sorry uh, We lost you. We're going to Chuck and Layton. Chuck, you're on Heart of the Matter.
7: Hi. Hi. I wanted to speak to... The guy on TV? Yes, hello. That's me. (laughs) I wanted to uh, speak to you about what you said at the outset of the show about grace versus works. Yeah. I'm born again. I've been for a long time, and I've been in Utah eight years now. Okay. And I just thought uh, that I'd experienced my first LDS service firsthand. And so I went this past Sunday and wound up in a sacrament service. And what really struck me was, and I don't mean to be critical at all. I'm just giving you my observation. Yeah. But what really struck me was the doing, the woman who got up to speak, she went on and on about how much she's striving and doing. And she t- talked about laying on the couch and reading a book. That's what she likes to do. And how the Holy Ghost spoke to her about doing that so much that she was wasting time. Not that it's bad to do, but she could be doing other things and all this striving and working. Oh. And then in, in the process she mentioned that she hopes to reach the celestial heaven. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's really sad that they spend their whole lives working and striving, and in the end, they have no hope that yeah. they're ever going to make it. Yeah. And I just thought of that the scene in Pilgrim's Progress, where the man's trudging up the steep hill with the big pack on his back, symbolizing sin. And he's trudging under the load, and as he continues on, he sees from a distance the cross at the top of the hill. And mm. with that, the pack breaks and falls to the ground and rolls to the base of the hill. And he's free, he's Mm -hmm. liberated, because he's seen the cross. Mm -hmm. But I thought, sitting there, Mormonism, what they do is they seem to load you up with a heavier pack. and just keep prodding you to keep trudging forward. Yeah. And I thought of that verse, she mentioned Isaiah, something in Isaiah, and I thought, Isaiah said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their teachings are but commandments taught by men. Hey,
0: uh, Chuck, what a wonderful uh, insight that you had going and watching what goes on there. Every single testimony meeting is essentially the same. They have some variation. But, yeah, it's about trying and striving. And I call it a hamster wheel. And they just never know the relaxation and peace. And then, like Paul said, once he came to know the Lord, he's worked even more for him, though. And there's such a difference. So uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and uh, they're on that that wheel of progress and a great uh, insight. Thank you so much for sharing it. All uh, right, thanks. OK, we'll talk to you again. OK, bye now. Bye bye. Melissa, first time caller in Centerville, Utah. Melissa, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. How are you?
5: Good, how are you, Sean? I'm doing well. Hey, I just wanted to talk to you about um, Your claim that Mormons do not believe in the fall of Adam, and we do believe in the fall of Adam.
0: You believe he fell, but you believe he fell upward.
5: No, we don't believe he fell upward. Yes, you do. He transgressed
0: a law of God. And when you do that, what is that called according to the Bible, Melissa?
5: It's What's a it called? Transgression. It's breaking the law. It's called sin in the Bible. Right, it, but in the Second Article of Faith, which is LDS, conjured up by
0: Joseph Smith. But go ahead.
5: They're not conjured. Um, it is. It says, we believe that men will be punished for their own own
0: sins and not for Adam's transgression. transgression. Right. Well, they should say, we don't believe that man will be punished only for their own sins, but also for Adam's sin. Oh,
5: that's not correct. Well,
0: it is correct.
5: Because then you deny the atonement of Jesus
0: Christ. I don't under... That's all LDS hogwash. It has nothing to do with the biblical Christianity. So, Melissa, what you're doing is you're calling and you're talking about Mormonism's view... But you're, you're talking about it as though it were biblical and it's not. Biblical. It's not biblical, dear. I'm sorry. Look at Genesis. Well, I try to look at Genesis, but I'm just telling you what you're saying is just not factual and I can give you plenty of quotes. Okay, but- that talk no wait, I can give you plenty of quotes that talk about Adam's fall being good and upward.
5: Well, it was good because how mm. else were Could we the spirit to- children come? From evil. Well, how else are we supposed to understand good from evil? How else are we supposed to be able to make decisions on our own and, you know, make choices?
0: That's your logical premise for for it? Can I answer it? Sure. Be my guest. Well, you called on on our show, and so I'm going to answer it with, with our answer. We believe that, so what you're saying is God wants people to go through the miseries that are on this earth in order to be tested and tried and proven
5: right, right? To have the evil, right? No, to be able to distinguish and make choices for ourselves between good and evil and to choose for ourselves who we are going to follow. So you
0: believe God's behind that, right?
5: Are we going to be fallen or are we going to look to Jesus Christ as our Savior? Okay, you are
0: mixing up so many things here. What do you mean look to Jesus Christ? Are we going to be fallen? That's what Christians say. What you're saying is. Christians! Mormons are Christians. Really? Yes. I have just spent the last four weeks talking about how they're not, and you still think they are. It's absolutely. Do you. Th- why, wait, Melissa, why do you think the Christian community rejects Mormonism as Christian? Why do you
5: think? Because they're jealous? No, because they believe in the Catholic view of the Trinity, and we do not. We believe that Jesus Christ is a separate being that God, He's another God is a separate being. Another God? The Holy Ghost. Is, is he another God? They are three gods? separate gods. individuals that make up one God what?
0: God. No, that's not. You know that's not true. Now you're lying. You know what makes up a Godhead and you know that they are separate gods? What do you mean no? Did God have a father? Melissa? Yes he did. So is that more than one God again? Polytheism? I mean, give me a break. We could go circles here, and on every single avenue, if we talk long enough, you're going to be proven that you are just All I spouting know. a philosophy.
5: All I know.
0: Tell me what I, you know. You're going to bear your testimony now of how you know the church is true? Let me bear my testimony oh, that I know it's not.
5: You know what? I am here to find common ground. I believe— I don't
0: that. believe that for a second. I can tell by your tone when you, you called that you weren't looking for common ground. I I'm am— I'm staying on your case, aren't I? Why I'll are tell you, you why I'm staying on your case, Melissa. Pack. I'm staying you on your case.
5: the good that people do. The good
0: means nothing and relative to their salvation. Your, nothing. The what, good means nothing, you, Melissa.
5: You give to the poor? M-
0: giving to the poor means nothing relative to your salvation, Melissa.
5: It, me- are it means nothing. Like Christ?
0: What? Are we to be like Christ? Sure. Okay, then how do you
5: be like Christ? Has
0: nothing to do with your salvation, Melissa. Yes. You can't earn it. You it, can't earn it, dear.
5: I Well, I am saved through grace. Really? Yeah. I am because... What does saved
0: after, mean to you, Melissa? After all I have done, After cannot, all you have done, you're saved by grace? That completely yes, conflicts with I the Bible you. too. That completely conflicts with what the Bible says does grace not. is.
5: It does, does I just not. gave you a scripture. How can you say it doesn't? Okay, you want me to prove to you that... Prove to me saved something. ...by grace? Yes. Okay, let me get you the New Testament here.
0: You don't believe the New Testament. I it's do. not translated correctly.
5: Oh, you know, you'd like to twist...
0: Melissa, is it translated correctly or not? You know, there's a... Melissa, is it translated correctly or not?
5: No, it's not. Well, then what are you talking about?
0: Again, you see, this is the problem. I know, Melissa, where you come from. I've been there 40 years. I'm sorry. I know what you're saying. I know what you're going to say. And I know what your arguments are. And it's annoying to Mormons, especially because of my demeanor right now, because I'm fighting with you. But you know what? I'm not going to let you say stuff and get away with it like, well, you are a Christian, I guess. Wake up. I am Christian. Listen, let me tell you something. You might be Christian, Melissa. I'm not going to argue that. But your church, Mormonism, is not Christian. Well, and there's the difference.
5: Okay, you give me your little definition. No,
0: it's not a little definition. It's a life of studying yes. it, and it's not a little definition. I spend every week looking at it and, and doing whatever I can to teach people the differences. It's not a little definition. Don't demean it.
5: You know, you, but you're not teaching the truth.
0: What, you tell me something that's give false. Give me something that's false, Melissa.
5: Give your slant.
0: What's the, give me something
5: that's false. Saying that we do not believe in the fall of Adam, that is completely false. Was the fall upward? It's not falling upward. Adam fell. Okay,
0: I'll read quotes next week that show the prophets saying that it was a fall upward. It was a good (laughs) thing, and it wasn't a fall, okay?
5: Well, Well, okay then, are are you saying that coming to earth and getting a body was a bad thing?
0: Uh, In the flesh, yeah. Oh, so you want to be a
5: spirit your whole life? No,
0: no, I wasn't a spirit. Not ever I wasn't a spirit in a spirit or world before, Melissa. Or, or know Melissa, what it's
5: like to recover from pain. Me-
0: Melissa, you want to recover from pain? <laughs> Go ahead, recover from pain. I want to live with the Father in the garden, the way He intended it, and have fellowship with oh, Him. but then
5: you would have. Why did He
0: create a beautiful garden for Adam and Eve?
5: Because why? The, because, like this life, it's a test. Why?
0: Why did He pre- create a beautiful place for Adam and Eve? Because Why did he give them two conflicting
5: uh, commandments? Exactly. He did give them two conflicting commandments.
0: God would give two conflicting and,
5: commandments? Yes, because they had to make a choice for themselves if they would follow God. What God is going to require someone to follow them blindly?
0: That's not blind. Not make a
5: choice. That is not blind,
0: of- Melissa. He, give, he can give them two completely good commandments and let them choose to obey or not. Exactly. Why did he have to give them conflicting he ones? He
5: gave two very good commandments. They were good? Yes, they were.
0: Okay, so he should have not partaken of the tree of good and uh, of good and knowledge? Yes, he should have, because... No, no, wait, you just said it was a good c- command. Okay, now stick with me here. All He's right. saying he gave them two good commandments. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil.
5: Right. And you say he should have followed that? He was given two choices. If he followed that commandment, he and Eve could have stayed in the Garden of Eden. Okay. They would not have progressed. They would have not known.
0: Not, not there with fellowship with God? They couldn't have progressed with the Father right well, there with them?
5: also gave them a commandment to multiply and replenish. So
0: they could have done that with God there with them?
5: You know that. You proved that to me.
0: No, they could have done that with God there with prove them.
5: Me. Prove it to me from the Bible.
0: Well, he said to multiply and replenish the earth. Why would he tell them to do that if they couldn't do it?
5: You proved to me how they had the knowledge to do that.
0: Well, you prove to me that they didn't.
5: Well, there you go. The only way that they could...
0: You buy into... Look, at, we got to end this call. It's gone on too long. But you simply buy into
5: okay, a philosophy. Th- I buy into the Bible. Let's look There's at, a complete difference. Is sex bad is sex evil. Is sex evil? No. Okay. Then there you go. Why would why would Heavenly Father, if he, if he had sex, is that evil?
0: What are you talking about, Melissa? I'm talking
5: about your other point about the... Virgin birth? The virgin birth.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. You know... Um, you don't, if you're going to go down that road, you're just all, this is what the typically happens. Don't say anything. I'm talking to the audience, is they keep throwing whatever they can to hopefully get something where they can corner you. They can't get you on the fall. They go oh, to sex. They, they so talk to the virgin birth. to end Bur- the
5: call, so I wanted to get my other point. Well, your
0: other point's ridiculous. If you oh, think oh. <laughs> that God, who is said has a spirit, came down and had sexual relationship with Mary and you think he had to do that in order to create Jesus, you have such a shallow, humanistic view of who God is.
5: You think it's evil.
0: I don't think it's evil.
5: Okay, then I have a problem with it. No,
0: you asked me if sex was evil. I have a problem with the theology that God himself came down and had relationships with Mary, a teenager. You notice that kind of follows in with the same thing that Joseph did later on, a little teenage action there on the side without old Emma knowing. And Old Testament customs. What's that? you understand all t- I think I do Melissa and I think that I understand your doctrine and I think it, that at, essentially
5: she was she was perfectly able and capable of marrying at,
0: I didn't say she wasn't capable
5: Yes yeah, she was
0: I didn't say she wasn't capable
5: Okay so, All right so
0: let's end this now
5: a choice? Melissa
0: you continue being a Mormon and you die, and we'll see what happens. I hope it works for you, and I hope your relationship- <laughs> I know relationship- it will. Well, you know it well. Good. That's the problem with Mormonisms, is they know everything.
5: Well, I don't know everything, and okay. I don't claim to. But-
0: All right, Melissa, we've got to hit it. OK. All right, bye-bye. All right, we're going to Linda online to 1st time caller. Linda, you're on Heart of the Matter. OK. Boy, was that fiery, or what?
5: Yeah, it was. <laughs> I loved it. Woo! Hey, Sean. Yeah. Um,
0: Oh, you got to turn that off, Linda. Right, you're on delay.
5: Um, I just want to say I'm an active Mormon in Salt Lake, and I just think you're great. Well, thank you. We all hate you.
0: Do you feel that I do care about some things with the LDS? I know know I'm argumentative, but do you understand that I do care about them? I do,
5: and I think you're very intelligent, and you're going about it in a great way. I mean, it's hard enough to be a Democrat in this state, but being a Democrat and a Mormon is just (laughs) all packaged in the same thing. But I just want to say I think you're great. I don't agree with everything you say, but I watch you a lot. Well, good.
0: Linda, thanks so much. You've got
5: great hair. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, thanks. Ooh.
0: All right, thanks. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Parker in Holiday on a First Time Caller again. Lots of first-time callers. Parker, you're on Heart of the Matter. Parker? Hey, how you doing, Sean? Hey, doing well. You? Hey, I'm doing okay.
6: All right, ma'am. Hey, well, you know, it, uh... It- the first time i watched your show this evening we're sitting here with my buddy we're both returned missionaries yeah um just like the last lady they called linda yeah Um, i totally agree i think you do great work um i served in a land where uh being a mormon is the minority um i've spoken with jehovah witnesses um pastors of churches and everything and you know talking about religion is a great thing it is one thing that that bothered me though i mean as an active mormon i'm not here to argue i've done that plenty Okay. Um, and I'm sure me and you, as both knowledgeable people of the Bible, um, and me as the Book of Mormon, as you as well, um, it's just that it surprises me that there are lots of of, of ex Mormons that call into your show, and you as well that say that that you know all this about the church, yet you call in and tell us that we're false. I'm just wondering what led you to um, stop believing and. Whatever made you join what, what church you are in
0: now? It's a question we get a lot, but I know you're a first-time caller. I uh, what led me to uh, stop believing was kind of twofold. One, I could not. Uh, one, I studied the the religion greatly for about 17 years, right. and I really investigated everything I could. Two, I was a sinner. It was sin that I could not overcome that led me to cry out to Jesus in desperation one day. And he literally changed my worldview, and he changed my life. He changed, he changed every single thing about me. And then I enrolled in theology school, and I came to know uh, the biblical uh, understanding of who he was, and it really conforms well to what I experienced as a born-again Christian. So it was my sin. I, there's no bones about that, that I recognized myself as a sinner, and it turned me around.
6: Yes the the thing that, that troubles me is that you don't even have to be a member of any church to repent. You're right. You're, you're obviously a Mormon. Yeah. And we we greatly believe in repentance because like it says in Ephesians, his faith without works is dead. Yeah. We can't do we can't just
0: sit, James, that is it's okay.
6: And yeah, sorry. <laughs> and uh you yeah, know we can't just sit here and continue to repent and repent and sin and sin and do nothing and just hope all is gonna be well. I don't know that I'm gonna go to celestial kingdoms like like Melissa uh, she was a little out of control that was a an interesting call for you I'm sure you get them all the time but I don't know that I'm going there yeah. I, I hope and you know I pray that I that I will and I do all I can't i hopefully better myself and become a better person, but it just surprises me that you, know, you don't have to be a member of any particular church to repent or to be in God's
0: presence ever again. You're right, about. I agree with you completely, Parker, that you don't have to be part of any religious denomination, and I am one of the uh, first, or not first, but one of the only Christian apologists who really believe that there are many Mormons who know Jesus, and when they stand before God, they're going to be fine in regard to their salvation. My problem is with Mormonism, not Mormon, respectively. And that's a difference. The other thing is, I just have to say this because it is our, it is the show, and I really, Parker, you can know because there's no peace if you don't know. So, but you can know you have salvation. That means living with God again through Jesus Christ. You can know it. I have Mormons write me who tell me they know it and they have that peace. So because you're Mormon, it doesn't mean that you you you'll fail in that area. But you can have that knowledge.
6: now, now going back really quickly, I know you got one minute. But, uh, you know, you just said that you know Christians that believe in Jesus. Being a Christian... M- Mormons who believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. The the lady that was on a couple of calls ago says that Mormons do believe... We are Christians. So for you to say that you know Mormons that believe in Jesus, that means Mormons are Christians. Well, the
0: problem is, is we're talking about... What they think of Jesus. What think ye of Jesus? What
6: what do you think that us Mormons believe that Jesus
0: is? I never said Mormons don't believe in Jesus. I know you believe in atonement very much. Of course. Without it, we'd be screwed. I I understand you believe in atonement, but Jesus is more than atonement. And and, and that's part of the thing that's seen in what I'm talking about. He's far more than just atonement. But we only got 30 seconds. Call back, man. I will, man, definitely. Thanks for your time. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Listen, we're running out of time. What a show. We had crying. We had laughter. We had anger. It's just like a soap opera on this thing. A religious soap opera, if you will. Listen, love you. I love you if you're LDS. I love you if you're Christian. I love you if you're not a believer. And let me do a shout-out to Dixie and her husband, who I saw at the, stash- at the air station today. Uh, God bless you. Tune in next week. We got another fiery thing coming. And uh, keep talking to the Lord. He'll change ya.
7: I'm on a ride Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy On the wind And I won't become This man's awake. A storm's arising. The dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know, and I can feel the light-filled monkey start.